Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. Well, thank you for that, Pastor Tom. Uh, this morning he said to me, um, I'm leading the singing today, so one of us has to do good. Um, I make no more comments. I like my job. Uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. As you turn tonight, I'd like to speak on a topic that is not a common topic. It's neither an easy topic to dive into. But I would like you to open your hearts and your ears to a, a message I've entitled, Serving God in the Power of the Spirit. I will be honest with you, I did not intend to uh, dive into this passage. While I love the book of Corinthians, my, my heart, my mind was other places where I wanted to go, hoping to do a farewell message. But the Lord moved me to this passage. And I, I would like to encourage uh, two groups of people tonight. The first is to encourage those who are in times of trouble, times of trial, and times of, of terror, to find their hope, their security, and the sustaining power in the Holy Spirit. The second is to those who are relying on their own strength, their own wisdom, and their own knowledge to get them through life. My hope is that you would not fall into the Corinthian trap that the Church of Corinth was falling into, but that you would rely on the Holy Spirit. Would you read with me the first five verses? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And when I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Would you join me in prayer? Dearly Father, we thank you for this time where we can gather together with fellow believers. Lord, I ask that you give me the words to say, give me uh, the, the wisdom of your word to guide us through this passage. In your name, amen. As we read this passage, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. He is writing to them to remind them of their strength should not be in the wisdom and the power of the world, but in the power of Christ, in the Holy Spirit. He addresses in chapter 1, something we've looked at at the start of the, at the summer when I was here able to speak. He addressed that their position in Christ is found in Christ and not in the world. Their identity is in Christ. He then goes through their unity. They have been disunified separated by other egos and philosophies and ideas. He tells them to be unified in Christ. And in the last bit of the chapter, he challenges them to forget the world's wisdom and to cling to God's wisdom. But as we open in chapter 2, Paul shows his heart, shows his emotions to the church of Corinth. As we read, Paul says, and I, brethren, came to you. Well, where did Paul come from? To give a quick background of where Paul is and where Paul is coming from. You don't have to turn there tonight, but we're going to briefly just rush through what all Paul has been doing. In Acts chapter 17, he's at the church of Thessalonica. The Holy Spirit is working. People are being saved, Jews and Gentiles alike. The Gentile population is grasping to the gospel. But just like most times of Paul's ministry, persecution comes. Paul is then forced to leave Thessalonica against his will in safety to find, or to leave in safety. He then travels with Silas to Berea. There they, uh, they preach the gospel. They share God's word, and it's receptive again. But persecution continues to follow Paul. 
There he's forced to leave, and this time he must leave alone. Paul goes to Athens. He's by himself. He's alone. He doesn't have his friends. He doesn't have Timothy or Silas with him. And now this time, the Holy Spirit stirs him and says, look at all this idolatry. Speak the truth. So Paul goes on, and you've heard this sermon, the Sermon of Mars Hill. He preaches a powerful message on how God is the true God and not these idols around you. But then again, success is, is small and it's time for Paul to leave. In Acts 18, we discover that Paul arrives at Corinth. He meets and Pris- Aquila and Priscilla. He begins working as a tent maker to make ends meet. And Paul's ministry begins to shrink from what it was. Paul's ministry was so big and so powerful and, and expansive in Thessalonica, and now he's coming to Corinth. This has been changed for Paul. Paul's hurting. Paul's afraid. Paul is trembling. And by man's perspective, he's failed. He's a failed apostle. He's a failed preacher. He's a failed pastor. But he has been, he's been beaten. He's been run out of town, thrown in jail, scarred and threatened. But just like many of us today, when the world sees failure, the world says, look, I told you so. But by Paul's testimony, he's going to show the Corinthians that the world's wisdom, the world's idea of success is not the same as God's ideas and God's word. Paul's testimony of affliction by the world is an example to the Corinthians of the world that God's word and God's power is better. Tonight, I would like to, for us to look, how do we serve in the power of the Holy Spirit? How do, what, what ways can we look to serve God in the power of the Holy Spirit when we are depleted from our own strength? We're going to look at three ways. Our first, would you consider with me our methods? We will see in this passage, Paul has two junctions of methods. First, he looks at what he's not going to do. This is not what Paul has set out to do. And then we're going to look at what Paul does. So his first method that he does not use is his speech. Paul did not rely on his skill as an orator, as a speaker. The Corinthian people had allowed their thoughts and their ideas of what a good speaker was by the things that were around them. They had the best speakers. They probably had, if it was in our today, today, in today's age, the best podcast, the best radio shows, the best TV hosts. They had it all. But Paul came not to be the same as the philosophers, the teachers, and the, and the preachers at that time. He believed, and they believed, that because Paul's speech and his ideas were not at the same level of their standard, that it was not equal to their attention. It wasn't the same importance. But Paul comes and writes this in verse 1. When I came to you, I came not in excellence of speech or of wisdom. And in verse 4 he says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Paul does not rely on his ability as a speaker. You know, the world tells us the better you, you dress up your message, the better it will be received. Paul says, no, that's not why I came. I could have been the best speaker, but no, this is not why I've come. Paul's mission was not to be a speaker, but a preacher. Paul's mission was the gospel. He came not to, not to be the be- better speaker, the better presenter, but to serve God in his abilities. Excuse me one second. My notes are, excuse me. All right. I heard a story once of a man, he said, you know, if you want to get a good job, you got to have some experience. And with this experience, you have to have, you know, a good title. 
You got to have, you know, good credibility and, and good sources. And so, you know, he said the best way to do this is to add a little bit of twist of what you've already done. And so I'd like to kind of share what all I have done in, in this idea of how to make my career better sounding. I've worked at a multi-million dollar company as an advertisement artist who doubled as a specialist for an assembly line and food distribution. In total, I worked at Subway. <laughs> I've worked as part of a first responder team with an emergency and medical licensing to perform rescue operations on both land and water, trained to handle extreme medical emergencies with cooperations with local law enforcement and medical teams. I was a lifeguard at the YMCA. And my favorite one, I have worked as a groundskeeper supervisor, a facilities maintenance assistant, and a janitorial coordinator for my landlord's property. I actually just do chores around the house, so my parents let me stay. <laughs> Paul tells them, I did not come to be like the teachers around you. You see, the teachers at that time, they were so ignorant and so prideful, making their speeches sound better to promote themselves. But Paul says, I have not come to promote myself, but something else. My speech is not my motivator. But you do you remember how I came? I came broken. I came scarred. I came fearful. I could have waxed eloquent. Paul is no amateur. We know this. Philippians 3 tells us that Paul was not an uned uneducated man. He was not new to this. He was a trained Pharisee, a man of the law, a zealous man above any other. But in verse 8 of chapter 3, it says, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Paul did not come to Corinth in the method of his speech, but he also did not come in the method of his wisdom. Paul writes in verse 1, When I came to you, came not with excellence or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Paul is telling them that I did not come because of my own genius. I did not come because I have an idea that's better than yours. Paul's telling them that no matter what people have said, the word of God is wiser. The word of God is higher than anything that we can think. Many people have tried and failed by attempting to overcomplicate the gospel. Paul tells them, this is not my method. My method is not to overcomplicate it. Many of us have heard the acronym uh, KISS, and I know I'm engaged, but I'm not going down that route, just don't worry. The phrase, keep it simple, stupid, is thought to have been coined by the late Kelly Johnson, who is a lead engineer at the Lockheed Skunk Works, a place responsible for the S-71 Blackbird, which is a spy plane. Kelly explained the ideas to others with a simple story. He told the designers of Lockheed that whatever they made, it had to be something that could be repaired by a man in the field with some basic mechanic training and tools. The theater of war with their products were designed, and it would not allow them to do more than what was given to that soldier. If their products aren't simple and easy to understand, it's useless. It would quickly become obsolete in combat conditions and thus worthless. The simplicity of the gospel that any man, woman, child can take and apply in any situation. A child can believe in faith in the gospel. It is the simplicity of the gospel. But because of the Corinthians' desire for higher wisdom, 
desire for intellectual ability, this, this plea to fancy thinking, it caused them to stumble over this. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, for that the, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It is not man's complicated wisdom that saves lives, but the simplicity of the gospel. So if Paul's ministry, if his methods were not his speech, and it was not his, his wisdom, well then what was it? Paul's method could not have been something that he could to muster up himself. Remember, he is escaping from the law. He is escaping those who are attempting to hurt him. So if he is tired, if he is depleted, if he is fearful, he must fall back onto something. His default would have to be something he can always rest in. This was his mission. Paul's mission. He always rested in his mission. Verse 2 says, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. If you remember from the book of Acts, Paul wanted to be in Thessalonica. He wanted to be with the church there. And his heart was with them. He tells them in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 6. Paul wrote from Athens, But now when Timotheus came from, us, from you to us and brought good tidings of your faith and charity, that ye be in good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, and we also to see you. Paul was not where he wanted to be. Paul is far from where he wanted to be. Paul is telling the Corinthians, I did not come because I, I wanted to. I did not come in the abilities and the, and the ideas that I came. I didn't want to leave Thessalonica. I didn't want to leave Athens or Berea. I wanted to stay. But something caused him to move. Something caused him to go. It was the mission of the gospel that brought him to Corinthians. It was this mission that God had for him, not to promote Paul, but to promote the gospel. Because if Paul doesn't leave Thessalonica, while yes, his success may have been great, or maybe he would have been killed, but Paul's mission that God had for him was to promote the gospel in a place that had not yet heard it. In Acts 18, verse 5 says, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Paul's method was rooted in his mission for the gospel. I want you to consider tonight, if we are relying on our speech and our abilities and our, our own wisdom and our own strength, how many times does it get in the way of our true mission of the gospel? Paul is saying, I could have relied on my speaking abilities. I could have relied on my own intellect. But it is not what I am relying on. It is my mission for the gospel that has brought me here. We have seen the first way to, to assume service for the power of the Holy Spirit in our, our method. But now I want us to look at something that Paul has, has now declared. His master. Paul is coming from his methods of the, of the mission of the gospel. And now he is coming in the strength of his master. Paul's mission was the gospel. But in his own weakness, he could not do it alone. Verse 3 tells us that Paul was struggling. It says, And I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and in much trembling. Paul is so depleted. I can't do this on my own. Paul is struggling. He was in weakness from the persecution that was behind him. He was in fear for the persecution that was following him. He was trembling for what was lying ahead. Lord, I don't know what's going to be ahead of me. But it was not his own strength that he could count on, but the strength of his master that he relied in. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Paul was not relying on his own strength and his own skill, but in his Master, in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 18, verse 9 and 10 tell us, Then spake the Lord to Paul in a, vi- in a night by vision. This is when he's in Corinth. He's afraid. He's hiding. He's like, I can't do this anymore. And the Lord comes to him in a vision. Be not afraid, but speak. And hold not thy peace, for I am with thee. That no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in the city. Paul has now been rejuvenated. He's being empowered by his master because he knows the backing that he has. He may be going alone physically, but the Lord is with him always. The, the Lord has promised that I am with you. No one will hurt you. You are not alone. Paul writes in Romans 8, verse 31. What shall then we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Paul has confidence. Paul has the backing and the provision of the Holy Spirit to preach in no matter what time of trouble or trial or terror that he's in. He would preach by the power of the Holy Spirit. I worked as a, a small engine mechanic this past winter. Uh, the, the area I work in at, at the school at PCC uh, was having some shortages in different areas. So they're, they're pulling people around and asking who would like to volunteer for this. And I thought, well, small engine repair is a, a useful trick. I'd, might help me when I need to save a couple dollars with my truck or anything like that. And so I, I volunteered. As I got there, I met my new supervisor, Mr. John Braun. And his last name, he just lives up to that. Mr. Braun. He is an Indiana country boy, and he can, he can lift and move anything. Now, I am not the most physically and athletic, athletically gifted. Um, I honestly look like a toothpick, and my grandpa picks on me quite a bit for it. But there would be many times where I would try to get something undone in the shop, whether it be a lawnmower bolt or something on a weed eater or a leaf blower, and I just could not muscle up my mechanic strength. I had not gotten to that point yet. And it would be many times where Mr. Braun would come back from getting parts, and he'd just walk in, and he sees me with this massive wrench just ready to go absolutely crazy on some piece of equipment. And I could only imagine what's going through his head. I don't know what's going through my head. I just can't figure this out. But... No matter how hard I tried, there were points where I would fail every time because I do not have the strength within me to succeed in the areas that I'm looking for. And I'd have to humble myself and say, Mr. Braun, I can't do this by myself. Will you help me? It doesn't matter how many tools I'm throwing in this, how much effort or time I'm throwing into this, I'm not getting the results I need. I am insufficient. And you cry out for help. Paul is crying out for the Lord, Lord, help me in my insufficiency. Support me. Empower me through this. I can't do this alone. I am in so much fear. I can't go on. But the Holy Spirit is going to work through Paul. Do you ever feel the world trying to pull you away from what God has set for you? The world will many times say two things. Either you can't do it, you're imperfect, there's no way you can do it by yourself, you're, you're a failure, you can't. Or, the world would say, you don't need God. You, you're good enough. You, you can keep going on. You got this. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone else, is, you know, everyone else is not perfect, so you're just a little bit better. But we are insufficient, and Paul recognizes this. I am in fear, Lord. I can't go on. How do I go on? 
in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 and 10, when he's suffering with this thorn in the flesh, he writes this, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Lord, take this burden away. Lord, I can't keep going. This is slowing me down. It's hurting me. I can't go on. The Lord responds, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that in the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. We can have power in our weakness. We do not have to face the world alone. Paul challenges the Corinthians, stop relying on the world to give you strength and rely on the Holy Spirit. It is not because of our doing, but because of what the Master has already done in us. Christians, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. He is our Master who promises never to leave us nor forsake us. But are you relying in that power? Are you resting in your Master to get you through? We have seen how we can serve the Holy Spirit in our methods and in our Master. But I want you to finally look in our, our message. How can we serve the Holy Spirit in our message? Paul recaps everything that has taken place when he's last in Corinth. He has detailed his methods in the mission for the gospel. He gives glory to his master for aiding him in his weakness. He places these within his message in the epistle. We can find this in two places. The first is the gospel. The message that Paul is bringing is his mission, the gospel. Paul is coming he writes in verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. It is this simple message. He had not come in his own eloquence or his own desire or his own gain, but for the message of the gospel so that many could be saved. It is in the gospel that Paul writes this in verse 17 of chapter 1. Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. He has come not because he feels like he is the one who's adequate to do it, but because the Holy Spirit has led him here and will supply his need. Paul writes that in his preaching, it doesn't matter what he says or how smart he may think he is. It is the message that brings power to what he is saying. It is the message that empowers him to keep moving forward. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I have preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. But which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first all that I, which also I have received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Paul's message is the gospel. It is in Christ, not the message of the man's wisdom or his speech, but the mystery of God revealed to man. Look quickly with me at our last, our last point. Paul's message is found in the gospel, but it is also found in the power of the Lord. Paul's message is found in verse 5. Look with me quickly. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, when Paul first came to Corinth, he came to preach the gospel. He came to share the gospel with those who have not yet heard it. But now he's writing. A little time after this, he's writing back to the Corinthians. Hey, remember when I came to you and I gave you the gospel? 
you're, deter- you're steering away from it. You're falling away. I have come back. I have said, your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He is telling them, you need to get back where God needs you to be. You are, you're drifting away. Come back to where you're supposed to be. This is his message. Paul's plea to the Corinthians is that he would stop, that they would stop adhering to the world's definition of power. He challenges them to put their faith not in the world, not in what the world sees as powerful, but what God says is. The gospel came not as a new idea or a philosophy, but a life-changing power that no man has created. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know that in the manner of men were among you for your sake, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost. Paul is saying, when I brought you this, this gospel message, I brought it to you in power, not in my own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is life-changing sin-forgiving, spiritual-life-giving power of the gospel that Paul delivers to the church. A young missionary, Herbert Jackson, was given a car to help him in his, his mission work. The car was a major asset, but it only had one difficulty. It would not start without push or jumper cables. Jackson devised a plan and a system to cope with the car's inability to start. He would park his car near a school, and he would go and knock on the, the, the principal's office, like, hey, can I just borrow some kids to kind of help push this car down the street? And throughout the day, he would have to be careful, like, okay, if I park it here, I can get it rolling, I can start it, or I'll have to find someone with jumper cables, and okay, that, that might just work. And so years would go on, and, and poor health would begin to set in. And it was time for Dr. Jackson to start moving home. And a new missionary arrived on the field, and, and Dr. Jackson is beginning to explain, all right, with this car, you're going to have to jumpstart it or, or do some, you know, push it down a hill and just kind of give them the ins and outs how to best use this, this asset. The young man kind of questioned, like, oh, that's, that's kind of odd. Well, why don't you just fix it? So he pops open the hood, kind of looks around and, and says, Dr. Jackson, I found your problem. Your wire's loose. Your wire is not firing off like it needs to be what? I didn't know this. For two, three years, I've driven it this way. So he fixes the wire, tightens it up a little bit, starts it down, and starts it right up. For two years, Dr. Jackson had used his own devices and and endured needless trouble to start this car. But the power to start the car was there the entire time. It only needed to be connected. Christian, are you trying to, to walk your way through this world? Trying to to witness to the world in your own strength and in your own skills. Because at the end of the day, you're going to get depleted. You're going to get tired. You're going to get afraid. There's going to be a point where you're going to run out of your own strength. But are you connecting and getting into that power that the Holy Spirit has placed within us? The Holy Spirit empowers us in our method. He empowers us because he's our master. And he empowers us through our message. Tonight, I would encourage you all, dive into the power of God. Don't walk as the Corinthians did in their own strength and in their own wisdom, but walk as Paul as he walked in the power of the Lord. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. 
If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.